This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. to the Westwards podcast for today, Monday the 15th of June 2020. My name is James Roy, I'm your host for today's podcast. We have a couple of things lined up for you today. We have uh, a very short excerpt of an interview from a doyen of the Australian children's picture book world. We also will talk briefly about the fundraising auction that we still have running and there's about uh, two weeks left for you to Get involved in that and get yourself a piece of picture book history. The other thing we want to talk about today is a couple of opportunities for people who are interested in expanding their horizons as far as writing goes or as far as art goes, some fellowships, some competitions and a few other bits and pieces. Now in case you're new to uh, this part of the podcast world, Westwards is a literature organisation based in Western Sydney and by Western Sydney we mean basically everything from Parramatta to uh, Mount Victoria and up to the Hills District down to MacArthur District and Liverpool and pretty much everywhere in between so it's a huge area two and a half million people live in this area and they all have stories to tell so uh, our job and what we love to do is to help facilitate those stories and we're going to talk about some of that today as well so let's get started So as anybody who has listened to this podcast before will know, we have a, a bit of a segment that we do at the very beginning of each uh, each episode, and that is where we take a quote from somebody in the creative world who was either born today, this day in history, or in some cases died this, on this day in history. And today for the person I have chosen to quote, we're going to need some music. So just give me a second while I put that on. Oh, that's better. So today we're going to be taking a quote from a gentleman who was born on this day in 1763. His name was Kobayashi Issa. He was a Japanese poet. He was also a lay Buddhist priest. And he was best known for his haiku and his journals, but mostly his haiku, which, as you all certainly know, is a very short form of Japanese poetry. He's better known simply as Issa, which is a pen name which means cup of tea, which is quite a nice pen name, isn't it? And he's regarded as one of the four haiku masters of Japan, along with Basho, Busan and Shiki, known as the Great Four. He was born as the son of a farmer in Kashiwabara, which is in Shinano province, near Nagano now. And uh, he lost his mother, who died when he was three. 
and uh, he was cared for his grandmother who doted on him but then his life changed when his father remarried and his half-brother was born a couple of years later but then his grandmother died and he felt estranged in his own house and he was lonely and moody and he liked to wander the fields. And his stepmother didn't like him very much for this. And so with this difficulty in his life, he made a decision to, uh, to go and study in Tokyo. So off he went to Tokyo to study haiku at the age of 14. And his family gave him no help, so the only way to get into the School of Poetry at Kasushika was to work a lot of hours doing fairly menial jobs. He managed to overcome all of that and eventually in 1791 he was so accomplished at haiku that he was asked to teach at the school. But this didn't last very long because he was writing a more modernistic style of haiku and uh, the school was quite traditional and he wasn't prepared to compromise. So instead he, went, he hit the road for the next few years and he went from province to province looking for things to write about. And that was when he adopted the pen, pen name of Issa. We can only guess why Cup of Tea became his pen name. Maybe that was what he always asked for, I don't know. He had a wealth of new poems behind him in a few years' time, and for the next 15 years or so, he wandered extensively and recounted his experiences in journals and collections of poetry. But then in 1812, he returned to Kashiwabara. His father had died, and his stepfamily had found a way to swindle him out of his will. So he married about the same time, but the marriage was an unhappy one, in large part because all of his children died as babies, and then his wife died as well. By now he was a renowned figure in haiku and many readers found him easier to read than the more traditional haikuists and perhaps uh, we have a hint as to why he was considered to be quite modernistic if we look at this next point which is that he wrote about the natural world around him which is something that haiku traditionally is tended, intended to do but he also wrote about the human experience and human behaviour, some good and some bad. And in the end, he wrote something like 20,000 haiku. And his work is still being translated and studied. And I've got a couple of examples of his haiku. They're very simple ideas. They're very simple language. They're short and to the point, but I think they're very powerful. So let's have a couple of those. So some of this is haiku did kind of play, with a long, play around with that idea of the natural world. Uh, for example, the pheasant cries as if it just noticed the mountains. Or summer night, even the stars are whispering to each other. From what I can gather, he seemed to write a lot more about the human interaction with the natural world. So for example, don't worry spiders, I keep house casually. Or in spring rain, a pretty girl yawning. That wren looking here, looking there, you lose something? He also had a, a real element of savage dark humour to his haiku as well. The moth, this moth saw brightness in a woman's chamber, burnt to a crisp. But also interactions with interesting people and the peculiarities of, of people that he engaged with. The man pulling radishes pointed my way with a radish. Or napping at midday, I hear the song of rice planters and feel ashamed of myself. He also had a little bit to say about art. Writing crap about new snow for the rich is not art. So he was obviously aware of this world in which he operated and the shortcomings of it and the, uh, the artistry of it, but also the sophistry of it. But of course, with a life like his, knowing the way circumstances conspired against him, he had dark moments too. 
He wrote this about his daughter's grave, about a month after her death. Windy fall, these are the scarlet flowers she liked to pick. And one that he's perhaps best known for is the poem he wrote about the end of his own life, where he said this. A bath when you're born, a bath when you die. How stupid. There's a lot more to explore in Issa, of course, with 20,000 poems you'd expect so. But if we take anything from Issa, we can take this, that even the shortest forms of writing can evoke a real feeling of connection or strangeness or happiness or grief or understanding. I think perhaps a lot of the time we're trying really hard as artists to create that big magnum opus, that huge piece of work that will blow everyone away. But perhaps sometimes it's just a matter of looking for the little moments and enjoying those. One of the things we're very proud of at Westwards is our partnerships with a couple of uh, very important and successful and influential uh, organisations, places, if you like. And one of those is Pinarolo. Now, Pinarolo is a children's book cottage, which is in Blackheath, beautiful Blue Mountains. And it's run by Margaret Hamilton. Now, Margaret used to be one of Australia's leading picture book publishers. And... uh, She has also written her own picture book, two of them, in fact. But she runs Pinarolo, which is a beautiful cottage up in Blackheath that is set up not only as a gallery space, but also as a residence and as a studio and as an education space. And uh, as part of our Westwards mini masterclass uh, collection of podcasts, I went up there late last week and sat down with Margaret and had a bit of a chat with her about getting picture books published uh, and some of the pitfalls and things to watch out for when you're doing that. And she had some interesting points to make. Here's just one. You're you're, you're publishing middle grade or young adult or whatever. The process is probably fairly similar book to book, but it's not like that with picture books, is it? Because you might might get a, a, a text and go this person who uses this particular style would work for this book, or you might go, this person is very, as you say, versatile, maybe they would be able to say something. So mm. so is that what made for you as a publisher that make that appealing for you, the fact that there was a different process for every book? Oh, yes. Each book is, is um, an adventure in its own right. <laughs> um, and a lot of people seem to think that if you... Um, want to do a picture book and you've written a story, you have to do the illustrations. But yeah. that is not the case. Um, That's almost always a mistake, isn't it? Always a mistake. Um, you know, unless you're Bob Graham or Bruce Whatley or... Stephen Michael King. Stephen Michael yeah. King or, you know, Graham Bass. Um, but, you know, what the publishers are looking for is a story that leaps out at them that is original that's got believable characters that the readers can relate to. And those characters can be animals or people or, you know, imaginary creatures. Um, but it, it has to be something that the reader will relate to. <coughs> well, and, a good example, sorry to interrupt, a good example of where the wild things are. Which, yes. Which was all in a boy's imagination. Yeah, So that's right. he kind of got a free pass on yeah. having the monsters there, yeah. didn't he? Well, that was Morris Sendak who illustrated his own book. Right. But what publishers will do after they see a book... I used to say that when I opened a manuscript and um, read it, if it, it would make pictures in my head. 
you know, for the illustrations of the book. And those pictures would be the illustrations of an illustrator that I knew who could... That's what, that's what happened with um, the hippopotamus on our roof eating cake. Hazel Edwards. I opened the envelope and read it and absolutely loved it immediately. I, this is when I was at Hodder's went round and read it to everybody and they they said, oh, there she goes again, you know. But I could see Deborah Nyland's illustrations in my head with the hippopotamus oh. filling the page, being almost too big for the page. And I sent that to Deborah and asked her, would she be interested in doing the illustrations? And she was very ho-hum. She said, oh, I don't know. I bet she's glad now that she did. But I lent, <laughs> I lent on her a bit. <laughs> Because I had this vision for the illustrations. I lent on her a bit. Yes, and I saw her a couple of years ago. And, of course, that book is still in print now. Mm. just had its 40th anniversary. Wow, really? And, and has about three or four sequels. Um, she said to me, thank you for making me do that book. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so that was Margaret Hamilton talking about uh, Picture book publishing, and you can find her podcast on our masterclass mini masterclass podcast platform. Margaret also talks about her own uh, the picture book course that she runs up there, and you can find details through our website and through pinarolo.com.au. But uh, I wanted to mention that we have uh, coming up this year, just as we do every year, uh, priceless opportunity for illustrators. Uh, partnered, we have partnered with Pinarolo to allow um, one illustrator to uh, go to Pinarolo for a week. Uh, there's a kitchen up there. There's a wood-burning fire. There's, um, it's in beautiful bushland. The, uh, there's one, one, da- one place available this year. Um, we've, they've said 3rd to the 8th of November, but the date is negotiable. Uh, but uh, your working environment would include an art space, phone and, inter- inter- phone and internet connection. You also get daily consultations and mentorships with Margaret Hamilton, who, uh, as mentioned, is a professional was a professional publisher of picture books for over thirty years. And all this is in a beautiful, um, beautiful setting with a collection of artwork and, and so forth. So, if you have any more. If you need any more information or have any questions, go to pinarolo.com.au or to our Westwords website, westwords.com.au, and uh, send some application. Send your application through to us. So they are, the applications are invited from emerging or early career illustrators who have begun or will commence work on artwork for a children's picture book during the course of their proposed residency, and applications will be selected by a panel from Westwards, Pinarolo and the publishing industry. So the application form is on our website. So please jump in there and consider applying. Another organisation that we partner with most years, in fact, for a number of years straight now, is Varuna. Varuna is the writing house uh, in Katoomba. It's a beautiful space and... Most of the great writers, uh, contemporary writers in Australia, have at some point gone to Verona and stayed there and worked in those beautiful spaces. Um, it's a retreat. It's a writing retreat. And every year, Westwards and Verona partner to do a, uh, a week of mentorship and writing time. So it's going to run from the week, 
of the week of Monday the 19th to the 25th of October. Four participants. It will include a mix of mentorship, private writing time, as well as social time for unstructured conversation. One-on-one mentorship and consultation with uh, mentors who have been carefully selected to suit the people who are attending. And six nights accommodation at Varuna, including meals. And anyone who has been a... uh, an alumnus of Varuna will tell you that the food is the highlight. Sheila is an extraordinary cook. But those evenings around that table, there are beautiful serendipitous evenings where you uh, hang out with people who care about the same things you do as an artist. So the fellowships will be awarded to emerging writers from Western Sydney who display exceptional promise in their writing style and the premise of the work. Westwards welcomes manuscripts from writers working in all creative forms, including fiction, drama, poetry, children's books, and narrative non-fiction. And a number of the people who have been residents uh, in this program in the past have gone on to have really good emerging careers. One is James Alazi, who was there last year. Erin Sayers is in, uh, in the middle of... She's one of our fellows this year. Uh, there have been several others who have gone on to have very successful careers... Uh, we're not going to take all the credit, but uh, we will say that uh, having a fellowship at or, or a residency at Westwards isn't a bad step up. Now, as I mentioned two weeks ago, uh, Westwards is in the middle of running an auction for uh, a fundraising auction. But uh, unlike most fundraising where you the only thing you take away is the joy of knowing that you have contributed... This uh, fundraising auction, or this fundraiser, you actually get to take home something really, really tangibly valuable. And what we have are a number of really impressive... I've got to stop saying really, I say that a lot. Incredibly impressive pieces of Australian children's picture book art. We have pictures by Julie Vivas, Anna Walker... Bronwyn Bancroft, Freya Blackwood, Donna Rawlins, Jeannie Baker, uh, Nick Bland, Martin Chatterton, uh, Max Hamilton, who was a a resident at Pinerolo, Lee Hobbs, who was the previous children's laureate, Christina Hoon, who was the uh, the resident at Pinerolo last year, uh, Michelle Strike. Owen Swan, Stephen Michael King, Andrew McLean, Anna Pinataro, Toby Riddle, Alison Lester, Anne James and Emma Quay. Now, all of them have bids on them, but there is still two more weeks to, uh, to go to get your hands on one of these pieces of art. Now, many of them are originals and some of them are incredibly limited edition prints. Uh, what have we got? We've got uh, a couple of pretty heavy hitters going on here. We've got, uh, if you fancy, I'm just having a scroll through right now, if you fancy uh, a Freya Blackwood. Oh, they're getting up there now. Jenny Baker, we're looking. Um, we've got a couple of pretty good bids going on Jenny Baker and Freya Blackwood. But there's some fantastic stuff in there. Um, and a lot of the people who have bid on this are members of our board. So you can't let them have all the fun. So jump on there, have a look. So go to our website and the front page there, you'll see a link to our fundraising auction. Uh, 15 days left to do this. 
We've uh, had a fair amount of money pledged, but we can always use more because the stuff that we do around Western Sydney isn't cheap and we are entirely funded by donations and government grants and, and so forth. So we can always use more help. So please get on the uh, website and have a bit of a look and bid on one of these beautiful pieces of art. As always, if you have questions about any of the events or, or uh, programs that we have talked about, our website is very comprehensive. If there's anything that you would like us to do, anything, anything that you perceive as a need in the literature or storytelling world in Western Sydney that you think that we can help with, please get in touch. We're always looking for new ideas for ways to do things that will help artists and people who love art and who people who love stories. The Thousand Words online exhibition is still operating. It's still on. Go to our website for details of that. We've got a YouTube channel with a whole bunch of different uh, interviews. I've got the Luke Carmen interview coming up. That'll be going online. Well, by the time you hear this podcast, it will be up and ready to have a, have a listen. Uh, we're getting involved in the African-Australian Literature Development Program through the uh, African-Australian Advocacy Centre. And there's competition still. Now, the, the Blake Poetry Prize has closed for this year, but there are always new poetry prizes and writing prizes coming online. And don't forget, too, that we have the online Zoom meetups of a number of different events, the Westside Poetry Slam, the Hemingway, Hemingway's Polydactyl Kitten Club and Speakeasy, which is on the first Monday, and also there's Poets' Corner, and there's all manner of things. So to take us out today, uh, why don't we wrap up with one last poem by... One last haiku by Kobayashi Issa. The snow is melting and the village is flooded with children. See you in two weeks. And until then, as we always say, happy creating. Happy creating.